0: You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. God uses unlikely people to do amazing things. We're talking about being a difference maker. The first week we said that God is a giver. Last week we said that God gives through his people. And this week I want to talk to you about God gives through people who have determined to be generous. Generosity is determination. Just like gratitude is, you want to be grateful. I just determined to be grateful. I have to wait till someone does something for me or gives me a gift. I've just decided to be grateful. I decided to be generous. Oh, I know when when there's a windfall, then maybe you'll be generous. If you get an inheritance or you actually scratch off something and it gives you money, or you pick those numbers. You know, I have never lost the lottery because I just don't play. You know? Somebody gave me a ticket once, it was a joke ticket. Did you ever remember when those first came out? Well, I'd never seen one. I hadn't heard about anybody ever getting one. And I scratched it off and it said, hundred thousand dollars. I I thought I won. Then I looked at the back and it said, You can redeem this on the planet Mars. Ah <laughs> oh, man, that was wasn't that bad. I was already thinking what I was going to do and how I was going to bless the Lord and people with it. And so if you have that kind of money, please see me after the service. I've got (laughs) ideas and vision and dreams, you know. Hey, we've been using this verse in Acts 20, 24 as our main verse. I know some of you have memorized it, but if you haven't yet, let's read it together with our best 951 voice. All right, here we go. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful, the good news about God's wonderful, I think if there's any time that people need to hear the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love, it's right now. It's right now. So, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to, in 1 Corinthians 9, 10 to 15, sow really good seed, that we're to be generous on every occasion, and through us, our generosity will result in thanksgiving to God, that people will actually thank God when we are generous, when we're making a difference. Now, lots of people attempt to make a difference, and every attempt should be valued, right? Um, But I've got a couple pictures for you today of attempts that didn't go so well. So Paul, you just run some of these. Uh, this is a good attempt. Okay, uh, yeah. Isn't that a great gate right there? That's helpful. Now, you got to look carefully. Baseball, what, what's in the cage? Okay, good. You're so smart. Okay, next. Uh, this is great. That was a free calculator. No wonder why. So here's what I want you to think about. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. You got got that? I said this to a friend. He didn't get it. I said, it's okay. Yeah. Isn't that great? And I know that kind of pokes fun. You had one job. You can go to youhadonejob.com. And there's all kinds of things. Somebody put a, a relish label on a jar of ketchup, or uh, you know, somebody uh, said, oh, one sign was really cool. It said, um, uh, sale on Pepsi. And it was a, on top of a Coca Cola stack. And so you think about those, those kinds of things. I didn't see the $6,000 uh, tequila at Costco. I don't know if somebody went to the grand opening. $5,999 bottle. It made the newspaper, and people were going, what was and people were asking me if I knew about the tequila. I said, no, I promise. I, I don't know anything about it. has nothing to do with the sermon, but everything to do with the fact that we need to be people that are making a difference, even if our attempt at first doesn't go that well. We all know about the Dead Sea, right? The Dead Sea is dead, because it has many tributaries where water comes in, but it doesn't have any outlets. It is a receiver and not a giver. It's a taker and not a giver. My good friend, uh, Wayne Cordero, talks about the Red Sea, and then he uses this phrase. He says, wealth in one area will not make up for poverty in another. Consequently, you're only as wealthy as where you are the poorest. Now, this is not referring to your income. This is not referring to the distribution of wealth across the board. What this is referring to is let's say you're wealthy in giving your time to somebody, but you're poor in affirming your wife or your husband or your kids or your schoolmates. That will reduce you to the weakest link or the Poorest part of your life is that area where you're not generous. You could you could be generous. You could be a, a, a philanthropist, and you could have uh, lots of money given to Cottage Hospital, and they make this whole wing after you. But you could be stingy when it comes to loving those that are most important to you, and so your life would be reduced to that poorest area where you are. And so we need to ratchet that up. Now, if you've been in the church, oh more than four years or so, you've heard this story. If you've been here longer than that, you've heard it three times. Now, some pastors get to be around long enough that they forget that they've told you stories. At least I will let you know when I tell you one. So for those of you that have heard this before, pretend like it's your first time. And for those that never heard it before, get ready, because this is a really good story. When my son was, oh, about six or seven years old, Uh, We had this thing that every once in a while, I would just take him to go see Ronald McDonald. And we would go to the happiest place on earth, because they give you a happy meal, and it's supposed to change your disposition, right? And so we were there one day, and I'll never forget it. Big red fire truck was going by with the lights and sirens on. I said, Brian, look, look. You see, the reason I wanted him to look is... I was really good that day. I got myself a regular hamburger from McDonald's, the cheap one, which is a two and a half biter and it's gone. Come on. (laughs) And I got a small fry and I had eaten everything down. I had a glass of water. I was being really good. And he ate his burger. He was playing with his toy. And those golden French fries that he hadn't touched were calling my name. I said, look, Brian. And he looked at the big fire truck and I... Stole two of his fries. And then I saw the ambulance behind him from AMR, and I said, hey, look. Oh, wow. I took three more fries. And then here came a black and white police car. Hey, Brian. And all of a sudden, he was on to my tricks. Whack. His hand came down. Daddy, those are my fries. I was hurt. I was hurt. I was praying for another fire truck to come by, you know? It's interesting today, he's a battalion chief for Lompoc City Fire. (laughs) Kind of a cool story. I can't trick him anymore with trucks, you know? But I thought within myself, does Brian understand that the reason he has those fries, it was dear old dad who put the money on the counter? Come on. And then does he understand that there's enough power that I possess, that I could take both his wrists in one hand over his head and eat all his fries. (laughs) The father giveth, the father taketh away. Come on. And then he doesn't realize that I have enough money in my wallet. I can go buy my own fries. I don't need his stinking fries. And last but not least, I have this credit card. as a little chip. I can just put it in there, and guess what? I can get enough fries to bury him. In French fries. And then it dawns on me, and it should on you. God has given us every fry that we have. And every once in a while, He will reach down and try to maybe grab one or two. And here's the question: Have you ever said, Those are mine? That's my time. Those are my gifts. Those are my talents. Those are my treasures. Those are my resources. That belongs to me. By the way, this I'm going to calm some of you down. This sermon is not about tithing and your money. Good. You okay now? (laughs) Because sometimes God will ask you for other than and more than even that. Someone will have a need and he'll ask you to, to go pick them up like Peter and John did last week in our story. As they're about to go enter the temple to pray. A lame man was there. How many other people walked by that day and didn't give this gentleman time of day, but there was something about the divine that was happening in that moment. They were willing to be interrupted and they picked the man up and then they said, we don't have what you want, silver and gold, but what we have, here God, take some of our fries. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Walk. See, David realized in our first week that God is this incredible giver, and he said to us in 1 Chronicles 29:14, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this for everything, what does it say? Everything comes from you, and we've only given you out of the fries that you've given us. We're only giving you back a portion of the time you've given us, the talents, the the abilities that you have given us. I loved the launch last night. I I know some of you have been around so long that it's no big deal, but um, I've been here 31 years and, and I always watch them. I do. I just love it. It was great. And they delayed it for a little bit and I had some of my neighbors out there r- looking at the... Uh, the the video feed and then hearing the voice, oh, we're gonna delay it. Here's the new launch time. And you know, it was 1040, it was whatever it was, 49. Most of you were asleep. I got up at four this morning, but I was not gonna miss that launch. By the way, I met one of my neighbors I'd never met. One of my new neighbors. I thought, hey, this is pretty cool. He said, hey, uh, it's, I want you to know it's going to be delayed. His wife says, I'm going to bed, honey. <laughs> and You know, I'm not. Come on out. And a couple of families started going inside. He said, no, folks, it's really going to go. I promise. And all of a sudden, the glow. Beautiful. Atlas V. How many saw it? Did you watch it? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you. Great job by United Launch Alliance, by Team Vandenberg. We should be proud of them all. I asked this question. I wonder how many of them, after the pad was cleared and the coast was clear, everybody could go in. I wonder how many got on their knees and thanked God for the Rocket. Hmm? I watched the Lompoc Braves the other night. I went to their game. Whew, that's a team. They met their best defense against Ruggedy, I have to tell you. 42 to 0, but that was their best defense. <laughs> But we scored two touchdowns, but we're called back on penalty. So, okay, we, we, it would have been 14. <sighs> no big deal. But At the end of the game, I watched the young players on the field get on their knees and thank God for the game. But I just wonder, how many, how many Team Vandenberg people, United Launch Lines, maybe you work for them, got on their knees and said, Lord, thank you. Well, by the way, by the way, we couldn't launch the rocket without God. You know why? Because everything comes from him. He gave us the brains. You heard that phrase, it's not rocket science. Well, it is rocket science. And guess what they did? They got their wisdom from God. Everybody involved in that mission, whatever capacity they, whatever they have, whatever role they played, everything that happens, happens because God is our great creator who gives us a creative genius, our ability, our time. Now, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians 8. I just had to talk about the rocket because I was so impressed. You could see it a long ways, couldn't you? It was great. Beautiful. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you have a Bible, Bible app. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair back in front of you. Sorry, it's a really small font. And if you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you. If you're going from church to church collecting Bibles, please leave it here. 2 uh, <laughs> Corinthians 8, we want you to know that this great church, the Macedonian churches, had the grace that God had given them the grace of God. Now now listen to these life lessons out of this passage. Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy. Now, shouldn't shouldn't we stop there and say, you talk about juxtaposition. Here's severe trial, overflowing joy in the same sentence. Okay? Severe trial, overflowing joy. Their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Doesn't that seem opposite as well? If you're in extreme poverty, you shouldn't be generous. They're doing everything counter. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. We call that supernatural giving. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded and begged is the word. They begged for an opportunity to give and to serve and to share And they did not do it as we expected, but they gave themselves, and here's the key to generosity. Get this lesson. They gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us in keeping with God's will. They were first committed to God, committed to others, and they followed the will of the Lord. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become what? might become rich. So their example of giving was Jesus, who leaves heaven, who comes to earth, who has everything but gives everything up, becomes a person of poverty so that we could be rich. I love this passage when it comes to giving. These churches, uh, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, are examples for us on how to make a difference and how to live our lives. The first thing I want you to see is, number one, that giving is intentional. They have decided to be givers. Paul is about to speak to the Corinthians about generosity, and before he does, he wants them to understand the Macedonian churches. Why? Because he doesn't want anybody to be able to have an excuse for serving, for loving, for giving, and for sharing. In verse two, out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up. In rich generosity. It's amazing. We're under attack, <laughs> and yet we're giving in generosity. We have a reason not to be joyous, these people could say, but yet we're filled with the joy of the Lord. See, their gifts were more about attitude and heart than about size. The example Jesus tells about the widow with her two coins, and she drops them in these trumpet-like receivers in the house of the Lord, just two little click, click, cling, clang, two coins. And it was enough to make Jesus stop and take notice. It's not about the size of your gift. It's not about how great your talents might be to help others. It's whether or not you've determined to be generous and are you giving away what you have. It's not about your work of art. It's about the work that comes from your heart. Um, parents, grandparents, you, you know what I'm about to talk about when I say your child comes up with a drawing and you don't know what it is. I made the mistake of that years ago out here in the parking lot. Well, this mom came with their little four-year-old and said, Look, they, they made a picture for you. And and I looked at it and it said P-S-T-U-R-B, backwards B. And they said, I made this for you. And I made the mistake of saying, What is it? Mom's in the background, no. And I learned that day to say this: tell me about it. <laughs> Well, that's a tree I would have never known. And that's a bird flying over our church, and that's you preaching a sermon. Wow. Man, I didn't know I'm that skinny. It was just a stick figure (laughs) with a big head. And then the big brown eyes. Pastor Bernie, I made it for you. Man, that thing hung in my office for like two years. I thought, that kid ever shows up, I got to make sure it's up on my board. People would come in and go, what's that? I said, you sure aren't supposed to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> hey, parent, are you with me? When your kid, I mean, from their heart, they make you something. Where does it go? On the fridge? On the bulletin board? On your dresser? So when they come around, it's about the heart. That's what makes that picture valuable. They drew it from their heart with a heart of love, with with a desire to bless you. God really cares about your attitude and your heart more than the size of your gift. So no one is disqualified. Number two, generosity is, is supernatural. We need supernatural strength to give when we cannot see a reason to give with our natural eyes. Giving is a spiritual experience that flows from a willing heart. Why? God is a giver. And these Macedonian churches had Jesus as their example, example of grace and forgiveness and and mercy. To be able to say, God has given us so much and done so much for us that we should stop and give him thanks, and actually we should become like him in generosity. It's, It's a mathematical equation. Great affliction plus deep poverty plus grace equals abundant joy. Great affliction, deep poverty, plus grace equals abundant joy and abounding liberality. We are going to give because we've been so blessed. For I testify, verse 3, that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. How do you do that? How do you give more than you have? How do you give more time than you have? How how, How do you give more affirmation than you can find inside your soul or more love than you can muster? It's because God supernaturally gives through us as we do what we can as we give the best that we can. See, it's in trying to do what we cannot do that we do best what we can do. Peter and John could lift that lame man up, but they couldn't heal him. They went to the end of their human ability, and then God supernaturally did what only he can do. It's great. As a church, we can't live out the dreams that God has placed in our heart without people dedicating themselves and sacrificing, because dreams are cheap. I get around people all the time, that say, well, I've got this dream and I'm going to do that. I mean, they've got great intentions, but it's, it's direction, not intention, that determines your destination. It's direction. You know, it's when you, when you get up and you say, today's my day. I'm going to be positive today. I'm going to love everybody I meet today. That's my intention. And the first person that cuts you off on the road, you grumble and default back to your previous behavior, right? That's the 1045 people. You don't need that. Huh? That's why I told the 8 o'clock people about you. (laughs) There was a lady that came uh, over a course of a month. She came to all three services. She says, hey, how come every service is your favorite? You told us 8 o'clockers were your favorite. I said, yeah, that's right. But you told them at 1045 they're your favorite. I said, yeah, they've had more caffeine. They've had more time. What about 915ers? Oh, they're the best. They're my super, super favorite, right? (laughs) But dreams are cheap. I remember a lady, this is a true story. I remember a lady out in front of the church one Sunday. She said, man, I love your church. You guys are so joyful and people are so nice here. And, and the pastor, he's not so bad either. And, and it's all good. And I said, yeah. And I watched these four kids come up. Because, yeah, I have these four kids. I call them my rugrats. I got four of them. It's great. I said, you guys like Sunday school? Oh, it was so much fun. They had gift bags and everything was was so great. And then a few months later, we were recruiting for children's ministries. And that same lady was out front. You know what she said? Oh, no. Why do they want people to serve here? I go, because you have four kids. (laughs) She missed that part, you know. You have four kids. You like children's ministries, but you don't want to contribute, and yet you bring your four kids. To get from us and receive from us. Well, I can't believe they're asking for service. Well, yeah. And we have this harvest party coming, this block party coming. People go, oh my goodness. I mean, when you have 3,500 to 4,000 guests, if it's just the staff, we're in deep weeds If it's just the church council and the staff, we're in deep weeds. There's a lot of games to run. There's a lot of cotton candy to make. Could we give it away free? That's a lot of hot dogs to make. They're a buck. And uh, we, for active duty military, everything is free, free, free. All the stuff is free except, I think, for hot dogs and nachos. Now, people go, Pastor Bernie, when are you going to not talk about serving? Never. Why? Because my savior was a servant. Why? Because unless we find places for people to use their gifts, like we're doing in our small group on Sunday nights um, over in the connections building at um, six o'clock, it's great. And we're learning more about using our gifts and our talents for God and how it all fits together. Had a pastor of a church not too far from here say, boy, if I could only get my church to serve. So what do they do? They come, they listen, and they leave. Well, what do they do when they leave? They run to their cars. They're gone. Said, so do you ever chase them down? I try to, but they're gone. <laughs> Why? Because they're afraid I'm going to ask them to serve. They don't want to. Oh man, serving's so great. If you haven't found the joy of serving, I encourage you to say, God, where would you want me to serve? And by the way, when you hear me talk, listen. I'm not just saying serve here. We have people that serve outside the walls of the church that are making a difference in schools. We have coaches, referees for ASOS where kids can play sports, and they're hurting. Um, My granddaughter's games have been refereed by my own, by her own coach because there's not enough referees. They don't have enough people. Little League doesn't have enough people. Literacy uh, program through the library doesn't have enough people to help people learn how to read. They go, well, what's going on? There's an epidemic where the arrows point inward. And I'm a guy to raise the banner and say, you know what? I want to make a difference. I want you to make a difference. Why? Because number three, generosity is joyful. Somebody said, oh, I'm so glad he's moving on, right? It's <laughs> joyful. You ever help, help somebody in their time of need? Out of their most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. My cup runneth over. Yeah. Why is it running over? So we can share with others. We can give it away. So let me tell you another quick story. There was a couple that came to this church about a year ago. Uh, They were on their way to divorce court. They both had hired attorneys. Papers were about to be filed. And the mother of the wife said, you guys need to go to church before you go to court. And they said, no, mama, this is beyond help. Well, if you want to be left in the living trust. (laughs) And they said, well, where should we go to church? Well, I saw this guy online. He seems pretty happy. He's kind of an overweight pastor guy in Lompoc. I saw him on internet. A friend of mine used to go to the church and told me, I should start watching his sermon. So I do. So she's in another state. She tells her daughter and son-in-law, go to Foursquare. And they walked in here and they sat on different ends of the aisle. How nice was that? He was like this and she was on her cell phone the whole time. I remember them. I remember them. And something happened. They sat in the church You guys greeted them. You guys welcomed them. And they said these words. Somehow through that day, we don't understand. We felt joy trying to knock on our hearts again. Somehow. I didn't talk about loving your wives. I I don't remember what the sermon was. I don't think they do either. They just started to feel joy knocking on their hearts. Uh, That's biblical. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Joy was knocking on their hearts. Hmm. So that following week, he sends me an email. And he said, we're still on our way to divorce court, but I need to talk to you. So I met him at 6.30 at Cajun Kitchen. I thought if I could get him an omelet with some salsa on it, it might help, you know. And he said, I I don't want to talk about my wife. That's off limits. But I want to talk about what I felt when I came in your church. That's on limits. I said, okay, I can work with that. (laughs) And I said, the God, Malachi 3, who hates divorce... Was knocking on your heart to try to get you to be joyful. Oh, there's no hope for our marriage. We've been roommates. We haven't held hands or kissed in over two years, not even on the cheek. I said, Really? What kind of romantic are you? He said, Oh, that's. I lost that love and feeling long ago. Wow. Okay. Must be horrible to be you. We started to talk. We met three different times and they kept coming to church. Now, I can't tell you very much more about them because you'll figure out maybe who they are if I do. So I'll leave you wondering. Shh. Uh. It was one night that I got a text from him. He said, Pastor, we took you up on your advice. I said, cool, what'd you do? He says, "We, we parked down by Surf Beach and watched the sunset. And made out. I know some of you are going, Whoa, I can't believe he said that. They're married, they have kids, it's okay. It all started because they came here. No, actually, it started because Mama said, You're out of the trust. She manipulated them. That was called righteous manipulation. (laughs) But they sensed the generosity and the joy of God's grace and the generosity of people here. By the way, I've been given permission to tell this much of their story. And by the way, they still come here. I think it's cool. Hey, folks, you, you guys don't know this. But because you're kind and generous and willing to serve and greet and ush and worship team and feed the screen and whatever you do, you impacted this couple with joy. They were on their way to divorce court. You guys saved a marriage. You don't even know it. I thought I should share that with you. Oh, pastor, why do you want us to? Because we save people. Last week, over 15 hands went up in the second and third service when I asked people to give their lives to Jesus. Fifteen. Oh, because the pastor's so anointed? Are you kidding me? I know that I'm not that good, but I know that God's presence is great. I know his word is true. I know he's still calling people. And there's something about the joy of the Lord that changes hearts when we determine to be generous. I know as I talk about serving, some of you get really nervous. But where are you adding value? See, giving must be motivated out of an understanding of grace and marked by an attitude of joy. Nobody likes you to say, here, here's your gift. Nobody likes that. Give with joy. Give with cheer. Verse 7 and verse 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving, wherever it is. Generosity is driven by willingness. Verse 3, it ends by saying, And no one told them to do it, they just did it. They just lined up and said, where can we serve? See, the true mark of a disciple of Jesus is that they give more than they take, and they add value and make an incredible difference wherever they go. Are people's lives better because you're in their life? Are people's lives better because you walk into the room? Are you the one that adds oxygen to the room, or do you suck all the oxygen out of the room? Not you, that's 1045. Yeah. (laughs) Do you long to give him your french fries? Dear Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated to you. Generosity number five makes us eager to give. Makes us eager to give. They urgently pleaded, verse four, with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. The more you give and serve, the difference that you make, the more you want to. It's fun It's fun to be a difference maker. Um, I want to find that gal who works on cars for 15 bucks an hour, don't you? Doesn't jack up the parts. Wow. Difference makers. Generous people do unexpected things. Number six. I think of some of our men who um, recently painted the interior of the Boys and Girls Club gymnasium. No photo opportunity, no front page of the paper, just guys giving up their Saturdays, painting the gym and making it nice. I got in there and messed things up one day, but anyway. Yeah. You should have been around them, the joy that was in there. Laughing and giggling and joyful. And some of the workers were in there. And that one day I was there, I went and got the guys Subway sandwiches. And I asked the two gals who were doing childcare, would you like a sandwich? And one gal said, oh, 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 no, we're not painting. I said, I know, but you're watching kids. And the other gal said, we're getting paid. Well, yeah, my guys are doing it for free. But how about I buy you a sandwich? Yeah, I'll just get a six-inch. I brought her back a foot long. Come on. Huh? Had everything on it. She didn't, want, she, didn't, she didn't say she wanted chips. I brought her two bags of chips in case I got the ones wrong. Got her sun chips and the deep fried Frito Lays. Come on. Come on. You should have seen her face. It's fun. Oh, all right. Okay. Number seven generosity is replenished spiritually. When you give away, I promise you that God will continue to pour into you. Verse 5, they didn't do it as we expected, but they gave themselves what? First to the Lord. That's the key to generosity. Every day, Lord, I belong to you. I give you myself. If you're married, Lord, I give you myself. Make me the best spouse that I can be, God, because you deserve that, and my spouse deserves that. And if you have kids, our kids deserve to see that modeled in front of them. I pray this all the time. Make me the best grandpa in the world. I tell my grandkids, they're the best in the world. Make me the best grandpa in the world. And I got a card from my little Kylie. She's nine years old. She calls me crampa with a C. And she wrote on it, you're the best grandpa in the world. Now that's okay because they call uh, my daughter in law's dad papa, so he's the best papa in the world, but i'm the best grandpa. Don't anybody else take that title it's mine <laughs> and she told me so. I pray for that. do you pray that, Lord? help me to be the best servant, help me to be the best the best airman I can be. help me to be the best teacher i can be help me help me to be the best clerk at work. help me to be the best contractor, whatever it is you do, Lord. Help me to be the best for you and for your glory as I serve others and empower me supernaturally. Now, before we close out, I give you the last one, right? No. Oh, generosity is replenished spiritually. You didn't get that. What did I forget? What? Right here. Yeah, I I, I want to make sure I got them all before this. Ay ay ay. God wants me before my generosity. God wants me before my generosity. And God wants me more than my generosity. He wants your heart. They gave their hearts to the Lord. And then God did great things with them. What's the key to being a difference maker? You give your heart to the Lord. What's the key to being a difference maker? You stop saying things like this. Well, I wonder when someone's going to meet my needs. Stop. Get over it. Let it go. Yes, but I haven't. You have a what? Oh, watch this. I have a need. No, no, no. Lord, I have a desire to meet someone else's need. Hmm. I have a desire, God, to be generous. I have a desire to be a giver, not a taker. If you are generous, I promise, where people may not fill your need and your void, God will. You just start giving away. You watch what happens. God will. God will God will fill your heart. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.